Hattori Donzo here. Welcome back to, uh, or welcome if this is your first time listening to uh, Restoring the Blade. Uh, it's been a while since my last episode, maybe a couple of weeks. Uh, man, let me tell you, I've been working like crazy, uh, doing multiple jobs, so to speak. So, I'm even have a small window to record this episode right now, so... Uh, but anyway, we're here. So today's topic, episode five, welcome to episode five. Uh, Vagrant Story is what I'm currently playing now. Uh, so let's hop right into it. Uh, let's see. It was released by Square, which is, um, Square Enix for all you youngins out there. Uh, back in May of 2000 in North America, uh, for the original PlayStation. And I remember I got it, uh, during that week of release, I believe, I remember I saw an advertisement for it and I was like, oh shit, uh, a dungeon game where you fight shit with swords and axes and shit. Okay, let's do it. So I've got the game, was not disappointed. It actually, I'm not the only one who was not disappointed. It is a critically acclaimed game. Uh, I've never seen it rated less than like a 4.5 out of 5 or a 9 out of 10 or just, you know what I mean? Something like that. It's it's an amazing game and man, I would love for there to be a sequel to it. Uh, granted, the only way I'd like a sequel is if the original team could do it or most of the original team or uh some director came up that absolutely loved this loved the game uh just like one of the fans kind of like what Tomonobu Itagaki did with Ninja Gaiden he resurrected that series and did it more than justice uh so if someone did that or the original team did it I'd be down for a sequel so anyway uh this game was Vagrant Story was written, directed, and produced by Yasumi Masuno. Uh, he did um, Final Fantasy Tactics, and uh, I think he was famous for another series called Ogre Battle or something like that. I never got into those, so I don't know. Tactics, I need to play. It's always been on my list to play. Always. I've seen it. Uh, you know, I just I need to go ahead and fucking just get it. I I can I think I can download it on the PlayStation Network. I'm just going to download it. Uh I I'll worry about getting physical copies later on. I lost my physical copy, well, sold my physical copy of Vagrant Story years ago. And uh yeah, now I'm play a digital copy. So one day, you know, I'll get it back. Anyway. So yeah, it's in the same universe as uh Final Fantasy Tactics and uh and 12 for that matter Final Fantasy 12 which I you, what's funny is I think I uh I started 12 back when it was released Final Fantasy 12 and I just I wasn't compelled to finish it wasn't that it was a bad game actually I know what it was I did not like the way the main character looked I didn't want to control that guy I didn't want to fucking control that character on that screen he looked fucking lame to me and I couldn't believe it you know uh Titus or Titus from 10 I didn't like the way he looked and it 
it was a struggle for me to control him and navigate him. But the guy in 12, his design was even worse. But anyway, I, and from what I understand, 12 had an awesome system. Maybe one of these days I'll bite the bullet and uh, play it. But anyway, one guy wrote, directed, produced. This guy's a freaking genius. Uh, and I, I want to bring about the, uh, or it, talk about the um, composer, Hitoshi Sakimoto. This fucking OST is amazing. I fucking bought it uh, back in like 05 or something or 06 whenever I found out it was released. This is back when you had to go find these import sites and fucking hope to God that you would actually get, in the, get what you ordered. Um, but yeah, amazing soundtrack. Uh, I think I read somewhere that he said he was influenced by Hans Zimmer, which... Wow. Wow. You know, anyway. So, like I said, Vagrant Story is a critically acclaimed action RPG role playing game for you kids that don't know what RPG actually stands for. So not your traditional RPG. Uh, It's not turn based or anything like that. It's uh, it's really fun. It's got a really fun, unique battle system. Hell, it's a unique RPG for that matter. Uh, like, there's no, uh, NPCs, uh, you're the only character, really, you just run around killing shit, you don't really interact with other characters, the cutscenes, the main guy interacts with people, but you don't interact with anybody when you're playing the character, uh, and it's mostly dungeon crawling and weapons creation, weapons and armor creation, uh, but yeah, really unique RPG and th- the overall presentation of the game is just masterful, man. Masterful. If you like RPGs or you like action games, you owe it to yourself to play this game. It's, it still looks good. I mean, it's old graphics. It, it pushed, it actually pushed the, uh, PlayStation one to the, to the limits. Um, it, it, it's the max performance from PlayStation out of that game. Uh, and I ever think I read somewhere that they actually cut a lot out of that game to make sure the game ran smoothly. Um, there were supposed to be NPC characters that actually uh, fought alongside you in battle. And I think there were supposed to be some other elements added, but they had to cut all of it out due to, you know, keeping the game running smoothly. Uh but anyway, so he plays Ashley Riot. Uh, he's a government agent called a risk breaker. Uh, I think he works for Parliament. It's like a medieval fantasy story. And uh, I think it's, they live in uh, the kingdom of Valendia. I think he's a Valendia uh, Knights of the Peace, VKP. And he is a particular VKP agent known as a risk breaker. Uh it's it's said that risk breakers are fucking basically just fucking crazy. Uh, they take missions that uh, the chances of survival are slim to none. And Ashley's record is like spotless. The guy's amazing. He's a beast. Um. So, the world is Evilice? Evilice? I don't know. I didn't get far enough in twelve to know how to pronounce it. But uh, it's the same universe as 12 and Tactics, like I said. And uh, f- 
funny thing, the uh, the introduction story to the Vagrant story is called The Phantom Pain. <laughs> I wonder if Hideo Kojima uh, took note of that or if he played the game and was like, fuck, I got to use that one day. Anyway, so Ashley's in pursuit of Sidney Lasterot. He's the leader of a religious cult uh, called Mullenkamp, Mullenkamp, something like that. I don't know. I don't know these pronunciations. Uh, Sydney is um, basically the antagonist of the game. Uh, he's more than just a cult leader. He's he's got powers, and you see it. He's a, he's he's a badass. Um, so. He, not to go too much into it, he, the whole incident is he kidnaps, he holds the, uh, he goes to the Duke's Manor and, uh, looking for, um, the key to, it's called the Grand Grimoire to unlock the powers of the, I guess the ultimate powers of, um, whatever it is Mullenkamp believes in, um, takes hostage of the people at the manor. The Duke isn't there. They, um, and Ashley goes there to, uh, apprehend him or stop him. And also in pursuit of Sydney is Romeo Gildenstern, who is the, uh, he's the leader of the Cardinals Knights of the Cross. So he's kind of like a Templar kind of character. Um, it should be noted that the Cardinal sent these guys uh, without talking to Parliament first, which is not okay. So the Cardinal's got something that he's looking for too. Uh, Gildensterns, he's like the leader of these Knights of the Blade. He actually, uh, yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you because there's some cool little surprises with him. Uh, he's, I won't tell you if he's good or bad, but he's an interesting character to say the least. Anyway, so uh, Sydney, he flees to uh, this old city called Leamond. Leamond, I can't. Like I said, these pronunciations, I don't know. But it's a uh, it's an it's a city that's been around for like two millennia. Um, but twenty five years prior to the story in the game, an earthquake basically all but destroyed it and killed the population. And uh, the powers of the dark are there, which is what Sidney gains his power from. It's the dark's really strong there. And uh, so the in, the bodies from the earthquake, those corpses are reanimated. So there's your zombies in the game right there. Uh, so that's why they choose that place to go to, because it's kind of like a stronghold for him. He, his powers are supreme there and he can use all these de- demons and creatures and zombies and shit like that to throw them at. Uh, the Knights of the Cross and Ashley. So, uh, uh, I don't the the game. I guess let's talk about this. I mean, that's enough about the story. It's it's a it's a political kind of uh, supernatural fantasy, medieval fantasy story. It's fun. It's it's actually a really good story, and they cut a lot of it out. Like I said, for constraints on the system uh so i can only imagine what else they would have put in there but really good story 
the way it's presented, it's uh, the graphics are like realistic back for as realistic as it could get back in the PS1 days. Um, and they don't, there's, there's sound uh, as far as like, you know, music and the movement and the sounds that the environment makes, but there's no audio, di- there's no dialogue as far as audio goes. It's all in the bubble style, like in comic books. And it's really cool how they do it. Um, and you control the pace of it. And uh, it's very well translated, I must say. And I think it's it's not just me saying it. It's uh, the critics say it's one of the best translations out there as far as the script goes from Japanese to uh, English. Um, so the story's told in that way. And it's used, it uses the in-game engine. So it, everything looks the same, whether you're looking at a cutscene or you're playing, you're actually in battle mode or wandering around. Uh, really consistent look, which I think is important. It kind of irks me whenever uh, I'm playing a game and the cutscenes are amazing. Like they put all this effort and money and time into building these amazing looking cutscenes. And then you go back to the game the end game or the gameplay and it's like mediocre visually compared to that i i I like i like it when like for instance hideo kojima who's which is the reason he's one of my uh favorite directors is he uses in-game engines to do his cutscenes. i mean why don't most and i don't know now i don't have a playstation 4 or an xbox one or whatever so i don't know how it is now but i know back I know on the PlayStation 3 and uh, PlayStation 2 and all that shit, it's, you gotta have these awesome cutscenes, and then you gotta have the graphics that don't really, you know, compare when you play the game. Kind of a big letdown. But anyway, Vagrant Story, amazing presentation, very, very good game, you gotta play it. So, uh... I'll talk about the, I guess what I like about it, the battle engine. Um, I like how it basically, this is just me. Um, I was probably stoned back when I first realized this, uh, back in the day. It subtly makes you feel like, uh, you're a God as you play the game, not as Ashley, the character, but you as the person playing the game you kind of i mean i've kind of felt like a god playing it uh and there's there's games like that where people call them god games or whatever kind of like the sims and but this isn't in that same vein this is for a different reason or a couple of reasons um well one the way the, the the battle engine works for instance uh you so the action part of it is yeah, the enemies are real time. You see them in, on the battlefield. You gotta you run to them, and you want to try and hit them before they hit you, just like any other action game. Well, when you hit the attack button, and I put quotes around attack, uh, a spherical like wire grid pops up, and it varies in size depending on what kind of weapon you have equipped, because that's your range. Uh, anything within that sphere can be targeted, and Let's say there's a knight in that sphere. You can target his head, leg, legs, left arm, right arm, or body. And uh, there's different reasons as to why you would target uh, different body parts. 
For instance, if he's holding his weapon in his right hand, you can attack that right hand or right arm and uh, weaken his attack if you do enough damage. Um, if you attack his legs, you can do enough damage to slow them down so they can't run away from you or pursue you uh, as fast as they like. If you're fighting, let's say, a mage, you can hit them in the head, and if you do enough damage, it it decreases the effectiveness of their spells. So there's strategic advantage to uh, learning why and when you should attack the different limbs. Uh, so you can probably get in... Okay, so once you do the sphere, once you uh, activate the sphere and you target your the body part, you confirm the attack. He does the attack. Let's say you do a physical attack. Well, if you time uh, time it properly, you can do another button press and chain another hit to it. So you can do combos in this game. Uh, this is the way you do the combos anyway. And the timing's kind of like in a rhythm game. Uh, and they give you like a little exclamation point when you first start out uh, to show you how the timing works. Eventually, you're going to get rid of that. I, I got rid of it in the menu, in the options, which I love that, that you can do that because it's kind of annoying to see it. But um, yeah, if you uh, chain, you can chain as many attacks as you want, as long as you can keep it going. So your skill level is translates into how many attacks can you chain. And you can chain uh, different abilities to different buttons or map different abilities to different buttons. So like I can, for instance, I can map. One of the things I like to do is map paralysis, a paralysis attack to my square button. I'll map like a uh, an additional attack damage button or feature to my uh, triangle button, circle button. I usually uh, map like uh, an additional, the damage that can be done the additional damage option that is the highest i forget what it's called they all have different names i usually map that too and there's dozens of uh different abilities you can map to the buttons so here's the the thing about when you chain so there's a risk meter and risk is uh it it starts at 0 and as you attack and do chains each ability or chain costs you a certain amount of risks or increases your risk uh, a certain level. And the higher the risk goes, the uh, the more likely actually is to... Well, he loses concentration is how they explain it. So he's more likely to... And it does. It gets harder to, to chain the chain uh, the higher it gets. It actually translates very well. And uh, you... But you increase the odds of him getting a critical attack and uh but you also increase the odds of the enemy doing more damage to you as well um so and also when your risk is your accuracy goes down uh so for instance whenever you highlight the different body parts when you're going to attack if your risk is really high you'll see that like the percentage of hitting that part, it's over there. It's like, uh, it'll be like a 40% chance. Whereas if your risk is zero, it might be an 85 to 100% chance of hitting at that uh, limb. So risk is kind of like your, it keeps you in check. There's, <laughs> it, it literally is risk and reward. You can take a risk by letting it increase and doing more damage with your chains, or you just keep it low and just kind of, you know, 
use the the system to uh, deal your damage. Which brings me to another point. It's been said by more than one pe- person uh, that uh, or mentioned that Vagrant Story is difficult, and I I get where that comes from. I thought it was difficult the first. Uh, I'd say first few hours I played it. It's one of those games that, and and uh, the director actually said that he created it to be a game for people who doesn't like to uh, read strategy guides or go get hints or tips. So it, he did it like that on purpose. Um, you have to kind of figure it out yourself. Well, there's no kind of you have to figure it out for yourself. But there's one simple thing that you do that you know i stumbled upon it later i had already figured out figured it out to a degree uh but when i did this this solidified it uh you have to use the analyze spell <laughs> and that sounds simple because that's a standard spell in most rpgs right a fucking analyze spell well Here's the thing about Vagrant Stories Analyze Spell. Whenever you use it, it, you get the ability from the enemy, right? Or you get the data from the enemy. You have to go into your uh, menu and choose status and then find the enemy, uh, scroll through the enemies and figure out which one of those you uh, did the, the Analyze Spell on, and then you look at their stats. So you have to actually put effort into looking at to uh, finding the weaknesses and whatnot and strengths of the enemies. So that's... It's not that it's hard, it's just hidden. Uh, but once you do that, you can see everything. And it's all, like, there's... So there's different classes. You got, and I I should know these, but if I don't get them right, don't hold it against me. Um, you got human, beast, uh, undead, phantom, dragon, and evil. Uh, those are like the most important classes that you can deal the most damage. Like you can really fashion your weapons to fucking go after those fuckers. And then you have, uh, the types of, uh, weapons you can have or damage is edged, piercing, or blunt. And then you have, uh, affinities and you have, uh, let's see, fire, air, earth, water, Light and dark, I believe. Yes. So, with all those different uh, affinities and classes and types of uh, weapon damage, as far as edge, blunt, or pierce, piercing, you look at the enemy's stats and you figure out which one he has the least resistance to. And that's how you fucking manipulate the system. Simple, right? Standard RPG fair. Exploit the weaknesses. So, if you're listening to this and you've never played it, there you go. I just gave you the secret as to how to play it. You don't get the analyze spell at the beginning, but you get it pretty early in the game. Uh, so, the uh, back to the battle engine. You can run around, or just controlling, actually. It's It's... Part action game, part platformer. There's puzzles. You can run around, jump over chasms or jump over obstacles. You got to pick up blocks and build uh, or stack crates and stuff to climb to areas you can't reach. Uh, then there's also puzzles that you have to figure out 
to unlock doors and rooms. Um, so it mixes up the gameplay. I actually, there's uh, a thing, once you figure out a puzzle in a room, it's usually complete. And when you go back to that room, if you need it, cause you do a lot of backtracking and whatnot and just going through different area dungeons, it'll, the puzzle will stay solved and it's okay. But you can also set it, have a, there's a mode called uh, evolve or die. And if you do that, you have to solve the puzzle in a faster time to uh, get it done. And that's annoying. I don't like doing that. I turn You can turn that off. So that's really cool too. Uh, but anyway. So um, I mentioned earlier that the game makes you feel, makes me feel like a god. So the reason I say that is because one, when you do the little spherical uh, grid thing, you pull that up and it's like, phew, all right, Ashley's in battle. Uh, what do you want him to do? <laughs> you know? And you choose the lamp. You choose every little thing you want him to do. And then he does it. And uh, also, the you, the camera. Oh, man, the camera. I, for me, the camera in the game is a character as well. Well, not maybe not a character, but it, it's a part of what makes you feel like a god or makes me feel like a god. You can move it. Uh, you can't move it up or down, but you can move it left and right, like completely in a circle. So I guess, uh, I guess it's 180 degrees or is that 360 degrees? I don't know. You math whizzes tell me, but you can move from the point where the camera is. You can move it completely in a circle around and uh, adjust the angle. So camera's really fun. That's a part of the whole, uh, you feel like a god, because you can adjust, you can look at it from the angle you want to look at it, and get the best view for this attack that you know that's coming, to really, you know, make it look awesome. Uh, oh man, If so, if they ever did a sequel, it's one thing that I would hope that they would do, is one, change the way you control the camera, because you have to do it with the uh, L1 and R1 buttons, make it to where you do it with the the right analog like you know most games now uh current like in the original game or in vagrant story you the right analog puts it into first person view mode which is cool because that's how you find like chests and doorways that you probably didn't wouldn't see any other way and uh and it uses the the, the graphics look great i'm telling you when you do the first person view mode but uh yeah if they did a sequel Make it to where you can control the camera with the right analog. And also, whenever you uh, do the attack and actually does it, some of these attacks are really elaborate, like the spells and whatnot. I wish I could move the camera while he was doing it instead of having it fixed once you have it fixed in that position. So they could do that in the sequel as well. Make it to where during an attack, you can move the camera to where you like it too. I think that would be fun, man. Uh the other way that it makes me feel like a god, besides the whole I am controlling Ashley and making him do this and I can see everything on the battlefield and do this, 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 and this, is uh, the way they his abilities are explained. So for some reason, he has kind of an, like a suppressed memory. He doesn't remember his past. And being in Le Mans, Lea Mond, that's where the dark is. That's where, remember, that's where Sydney gets his power is the dark the dark is a force of i guess the dark is a force of nature that has to do with magic because that's essentially what it gives you is magical powers uh 
And as Ashley progresses and you gain experience, he unlocks abilities. And not just him, other characters in the game, they get abilities from being in Le Mans. So it unlocks this potential in you to uh, use these ESP abilities. For instance, there's another VKP uh, agent there who she gets the power to see into people's uh, souls and she can ask them questions and they give her the answers. She can learn the truth from people. Like, they can't lie to her. Uh, Ashley gets battle abilities that he suppressed and also, like, magical abilities that he didn't have. Um, So it makes me feel like I am the dark, the god of the dark, granting Ashley these abilities through me playing the game and getting the experience and killing the enemies and making decisions to choose this, this and this to upgrade his abilities. Uh, so you get this, I get this really cool feeling of like being a God. That's just a little added feature for me. Someone else might not feel that way, whatever. Anyway, uh, the magic. So you have an MP gauge and, uh, Magic's pretty straightforward. You got your elemental magic, fire, water, uh, lightning, which is air, uh, and um, earth. And then you have light magic, dark magic. You have uh, support magic, like, you know, heal spell. Well, actually, it's called shaman. So you can heal, do cure poison, cure elements, all that shit. Then you have sorcery which is like your buffs and debuffs. Then you have enchantment, which is your affinity stuff, like you can enchant your weapon or your armor with elemental affinities. And then you have warlock, which is your fucking... That's your uh, damaging spells, like your light, dark, and elemental spells. So, the cool thing about the battle engine is... So normally, if you wanted to do magic, or if at first you think to do magic, you got to go into the menu. So you hit the triangle button, the menu comes up, and you go and find the magic entry, and you go in and choose the magic. It's a nightmare, and it's like, why the fuck would they do this? There is a shortcut button. It's uh, L2. You hold down the L2 button, and it pulls up a shortcut menu, and it has the directional pads, and it has the uh, face buttons. So on the left, you got left, right, up, down. And on the right, you got square, triangle, circle, X, right? And each one pulls up or links you to a category. Uh, I think left, the left directional pad is defense chains. Oh, which, not chains, defensive abilities. You, you map defensive abilities to the... For instance, the... You can map uh, absorb impact to the square button. And what that does, if I'm not mistaken with the titles, when you take a physical damage, if you time it right, whenever you get hit, it's like a counter button, you you only take 50% of that damage. So you get 50% of your health back from that attack. And you got absorbed magic. You can avoid paralysis, poison, silent, silence, uh, all kinds of things. So the left directional button is defensive abilities. The right is chain abilities, which we talked about. Uh, you know, you can link different extra attacks to chain. Then up is uh, items. So if you want to use a curative item or, you know, whatever. And then down is break arts, which I haven't gotten into yet, but bear with me. 
And then on the mapping button, on the face buttons, square is sorcery, triangle is shamanism, circle is warlock, X is enchantment. So you hit R2 and the thing about the battle, what I like about battle in this game is you're running up to the enemies or you're trying to keep a distance with them and you basically hold down the L2 button and hopefully you get to attack before they do. And sometimes, most of the times you do get in probably one or two or three attacks before they attack. But there are times, and it's not rare, that they either get the attack in before you because of their range or uh, maybe their agility is better. Um, and it, so there's factors as to that uh, influence who gets to attack first kind of so uh i i, I don't i i just i i'm a fan of how unique that is you basically hold down l2 and hope that you get to attack first it's pretty cool actually it's because you can run around while you do it and as soon as an attack's over you're already holding down that l2 button to hopefully get another attack in uh especially when you're fighting a boss but Back to break arts. Break arts are also one of the keys to making the game more easy for you. So break arts are uh, each weapon class. So you have swords, you got axes, you got maces, you got all kinds of shit. Daggers. And uh, with each weapon class, you get four break arts and the way you get break arts is you have to kill a certain amount of enemies each get a certain amount of experience points each enemy is one experience point and as you gain them less i just i don't know the number but i think if you get 80 uh 75 or 80 you get your first break art and break arts decrease your hit points your hp but do powerful attacks and they don't uh, use, they don't bring up your risk meter either. And they all have different affinities and uh, types of uh, damage too. So you can actually use this to your advantage when you know an enemy's weakness. And say, for instance, this break art from this sword has light affinity and it's uh, edged, you know. And some, and it's crazy because some, a sword, even though it's an edged weapon, it might have a blunt break art so it's you have to pay attention to those things uh so the shortcut menu is really awesome um if they did a sequel i would hope they would keep that but there's one change they should make uh add maybe start or select to it or one of the shoulder buttons to access your weapons because it's too you have to go through too many options to change your weapons. And the way, one of the fun things about this is you create a weapon to, oh, I didn't cover that. So let's say you have a web, a sword and it's strong versus humans. And uh, you're in an area that has undead, right? Well, Naturally, you would think, well, I'll just fight the undead until it gets strong versus undead. Well, you could do that. But, and it's, and I don't know if, I don't know this 
the the uh parameters they they exist i just don't know them off the top of my head because i just uh i just get my dudes badass and fucking obliterate enemies but there are there's a little uh what do you call it game mechanic that let's say every time you kill an undead or hit an undead attack an undead cuz it is you get you get pluses and minuses every time you hit a uh an enemy you might get plus undead but you might get minus human so you have to pay attention to that i know off the top of my head that beast and human are together so you can you can have a weapon with those two you can have a weapon with phantom and undead and you can have a weapon with evil and dragon now i do have a playthrough right now that i just started that I'm experimenting with doing one class that normally isn't paired with another class, uh, but not the class that gets decreased, not the uh, the opposing class. So I want to see if I can kind of mess around with that. But I also have weapons that just kill everything, like because it's so powerful physically. Um, oh, physical is one of the um, affinities with the elements physical is i forgot about that so uh why did i get into that oh <clears throat> that's why i got into that so if i want to let's say there's zom undead in the room and there's evil in the room and freaking dragons or dragon class to efficiently kill them and you know to level my weapons up i'm gonna change the weapons right to kill each one accordingly if they well, you have to hit the triangle button, pull up the menu, go to items, go to equip, find the weapon you want, and change it out. It's 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 a pain in the ass. That was that's probably my biggest flaw of the game. That and the I'll get to the other one. I don't want to bring it up yet. Um the if they would put it in the shortcut menu Somehow, if they ever did a sequel to where also make it to where the um the weapons and armor are visible uh visible like you change the armor and you don't see a difference in the way Ashley looks. The weapons are different, but you don't see them on arm uh Ashley's body when they're not equipped so I'd like if they did a sequel, make it to where the the weapons that he's carrying with him you see them on his person like you see his axe and you see his sword and you see you see all his different weapons and make it to where in the shortcut menu you can quickly equip whichever weapon you want like maybe uh i don't know hold down l2 but also hold down r2 and then it pulls up another sub shortcut to where you can to the weapons and you go all right i want this weapon anyway that would be great uh so, yeah, shortcut menu is awesome. They could have made it better. If they do a sequel, I just gave them the way to make it better. Hopefully they hear this, right? Uh, what else? Oh, I, so there was something I was going to mention that I didn't like. May as well mention the flaws because I love everything about this game except what I just mentioned. And uh, so, well, yeah, I mean, I love the camera. I just wish they would make it to where you can move it when you when you attack but the choosing your weapon this also has to do with weapons 
So the crafting system, it is that you're going to spend a lot of your time in the workshops, creating your weapons, uh, customizing them, upgrading them, mixing and matching, making new ones. Really fun part of the game. Super fun. You do this with your armor and your weapons. And uh, you, you can, the gist of it is you find a blade, you find a hilt, you attach them, and there's some hilts have gem slots. You can put gems and gems uh, have different, like, for instance, you can find a fire gem that increases your weapon's fire affinity. You can find a dark gem that increases the dark affinity. So you can use these to your advantage if you're, let's say your undead weapon is weak, but you find an undead gem. It's a quick way to boost up your undead strength or your weapon's undead strength. So when you go to these workshops to access, you can store your weapons in a uh, chest, uh, which reminds me of Resident Evil. You know, in the first Resident Evils, how you had a chest, whatever you put in that chest, if you found another save room, you open that chest up, those items are in there. Vagrant Story operates like that. There's a chest, item chest, whatever you put in there, you find other items or find other uh, workshops in the game, you open that chest up, those items are still in there. Well, the problem is you're forced to uh, save or access the memory card every time you open the chest and remove or store something, and it takes forever. And once again, they push the PlayStation 1 to the max, so I get it. Uh, but that is the major flaw of the game, is when I want to go and... Because you, there's lots of weapons. There's lots of items. There's lots of weapons. There's lots of gems. There's lots of hilts. There's lots of armor. I'm talking tons. Hundreds. And uh, you're going to store all this stuff in that chest. And you're going you're gonna to be frequenting this chest because your inventory, your personal inventory is limited as well as to how much you can carry. So when you're crafting, you got to have exactly what you need to get it done. So going in here into the chest and accessing the memory card and waiting for it to load it's a pain in the ass but uh that's not a terrible flaw you know i'll take that flaw over like a gameplay flaw any day uh which i guess technically that's gameplay i'll say an in battle flaw i'll take that kind of flaw over a battle flaw any day uh but um overall like i said vagrant story is a critically acclaimed game if you like RPGs, you owe it to yourself to play that shit. It is amazing. It's fun. It stands the test of time. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I want to start this movement of. Uh, and I know retro. I, I found out that there's a whole retro movement, and this would be considered retro. But why does it even have to have a retro label? Why doesn't? Why does? For instance, if you go to a museum. You got, well, they've even done it in museums. You got modern art museums and you got your traditional art museums. So I guess there's no avoiding uh, categorizing it. But my point was, why not? Let's appreciate games as games. If it's an amazing game, it doesn't matter how old it is or how new it is. It's a good game. And... One of the things that bugs me the most is people going, well, those graphics are so old. I don't I don't like old games because the graphics suck. 
And it's like, man, if you just take it for what it is and you go like, like it's a piece of art, this, this graphical style was a choice they went with back in this time to express the way the characters look or the way the game looks. And you should take it like that. Like this is how they wanted to, this was the technical limitations of the, uh, era and this is how they are expressing the vision the best way they can. Why can't we all take it like that? But that's just me. Anyway, maybe I'll start some kind of movement. We'll see. Uh, is there anything else about Vegan Story that I want to talk about? Um, I mean, I want I want you guys to play it, so I don't want to go too much into the characters, but I really like, like, Sydney's good. Ashley's good. Uh... Romeo Guildenstern's good, and there's a bunch of other supporting characters in the story that are really cool. Like I said, the translation's good, and you will not predict where the story's going. Uh, it's really cool. But one of the things I like is Ashley's a fucking badass. Like, uh, I think one of the other characters even says, We got a fucking uh, VKP agent that fights like a titan. Like, he's just going through armies of undead and demons and. Uh, Knight to the Cross, he's just unstoppable. Uh, even Sydney's like, uh, you're impressive, you know. Um, oh, there is something I wanted to say. This, I think, this engine wouldn't be bad for a Berserk RPG. If for those of you guys that know of uh, this manga series called Berserk, uh, it's got this really powerful uh, protagonist, and it's medieval fantasy, and. Uh, yeah, I think this would be a really cool engine to bring the Berserk universe into. Uh, and, you know, tweak it to, to, to really showcase what makes Berserk good. But I think this is a good foundation to do that. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. Which I am just talking out of my ass, but whatever. Anyway, I got some posts up on Instagram. Uh Donzo Hattori, that's my Instagram. I got some vagrant stories, uh, posts, and uh, Instagram TV episodes you can check out. It's just some plant gameplay, playing around. I might do something crazy, like maybe do some boss fights. I may even do the final boss. Fuck it, who knows? I did the final boss for Mega Man, you know? Uh, but yeah, check out my Instagram, Donzo Hattori. With that being said, Hattori Danzo out.